testing one. One. going to move around a little bit. That's okay. Um, okay, this morning, Randy's passing around a handout uh, that I prepared sound for me, because um, we'll, we will end today's service with a special song, so he's got it all geared up for me. Um, but today, um, I want to speak about something that all of us can identify with. Um, I want to talk today about fear. And... Um, we're representing here many different cultures. You know, we've got Peru, we have China, we have Colombia, we have the United States. Um, am, am I missing a, any any nation? So we've got four different nations represented, and um, fear is something that um, we are all quite familiar with. Um, and so uh, on the top of your handout, I have actually two uh, word clouds, Okay. And the top, the first one, the one on the left, is the word cloud I found on the internet last night on fear. And if you just take a look at that word cloud, it's filled with different words that relate to fear. Things like stress, anxiety, being afraid, having a lot of emotions, unhappy, scared, terrified all kinds of words that make up fear. And then on the right-hand side, you've got another word cloud, and it's talking about who God is. Okay, It's the God, it's the God word cloud. Uh, he's the Lord. He's compassionate. He lives forever. He made everything. He's loving. He's like, full of loving kindness. He's righteous. He's gracious. He's truth. So I wanted us to... to we're going to compare these two word clouds this morning. And we're going to be looking in Psalm 37. So you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Psalm 37. And um, I want to just preface what I'm going to share this morning by just a couple of uh, stories. Um, I think I asked, actually asked the elders if I could speak today because something has been bubbling in my heart for the last few months and it's related to the deep sense of fear that has gripped our world lately. It has not just gripped our country. It has gripped our world. And you see, you know, from, you know, people vacationing in the French Riviera where you would think that everybody would be perfectly safe and they've spent probably thousands of dollars on this perfect vacation and, and a man gets in a truck and drives over uh, these people and kills like over 80 people. Um, you look at a home in Japan, you know, for uh, elderly disabled people and somebody goes in at night and, and slits their throats. And, and then you go, you see, uh, you know, a gay bar in Orlando where someone goes in and just blows them away and kills, it just kills people randomly. Um, you, you go over to Germany, you know, and somebody's on a train and somebody pulls out a machete. Um, you, you can't, no matter where you look in the world today, it doesn't matter where it's at. It can be in China, it could be in Japan, it could be Korea, Germany, Turkey, the Istanbul airport, Belgium, the Brussels airport, Paris, France. 
Uh, right here in the United States, you don't have to, over in Africa, it happens all the time. Middle East, it's constant. Everywhere you look right now, the world is gripped with fear. It is gripped by fear. People are afraid. People don't know if they're going to be safe if they go to a movie, if they go to an outdoor event, if they go to a political rally, or even if they just go out for a, a, a vacation. And um, it's almost as if a dark cloud has been rising, you know, and this terrible violence is being unleashed. And almost every day, almost every day without fail, you hear of something. Um, and this has, has a very paralyzing effect if we're on people. This whole sense of being gripped by fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of what might happen. And um, just, a, you know, about a month ago, they had that terrible attack at the Istanbul airport. And um, my, uh, a, f- a colleague of mine from Denmark, who I shared a room with just two months ago in Switzerland, um, was supposed to fly through Istanbul that night. And um, the next, after the attack happened, she wrote an email the next morning and she said, I was supposed to fly to India for ministry and I was supposed to fly through Istanbul. And every time I went to push the button to buy the ticket, I didn't feel a peace about buying the ticket. She said, it was the strangest thing I've ever experienced. She said, I would go back and forth and back and forth, ready to push the button to buy the ticket. And I had no peace. She said, I didn't understand why. She said, I called my mother, who's not doing too well. And her mother said, honey, go. And she called her friends and they said, well, we don't understand it. But finally, she did not buy the ticket. And that very night where she would have been in the airport on her way to India, in Istanbul was when the attack happened. Now, when I read that email and she had been my roommate just two months ago, and I thought, my goodness, Lord, you warned her, but she didn't even understand it. But the Holy Spirit was warning her. There was another woman. I read many reports like this. There's another YWAMer in the airport that night in Istanbul in the airport. And she wanted to go to the front of the airport and she had no peace to go to the front of the airport. And so the Lord told her to sit down and just be calm. And she was at the back of the airport. And 30 minutes later, that uh, bomb uh, went off in Istanbul. There was a King's Kids team that was there in Istanbul. And they had just left the airport a few hours before it happened. You know, folks, we, I wanted to talk about this this morning because we cannot afford, as followers of Jesus, to be overtaken by fear. We cannot afford to be overtaken by fear in the light of what is happening. Because we sang this morning, the church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Of all people, we must not be paralyzed by fear. Because this is a psychological warfare. It is demonic and it is designed to keep people from living their lives. It is designed to keep people and to put, cause people to pull back, hunker down, and build up a protective barrier so that they, are, they feel like they're safe. Folks, this is not what the Lord calls us to. It never has been, and it never will be. 
We see it in the lives of the disciples. After Jesus was crucified, where were they? Hunkered down in a room. It's very, nor- it's very human, right? Hunkered down in a room, scared to death. Are they going to be the next ones to be arrested? Are they going to be the next ones hanging on a cross? Crucifixion was widespread in the Roman Empire. And the first thing that Jesus said to them when he appeared to them after the resurrection was what? Peace be with you, fear not. Peace be with you, fear not. And then he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And you see such a dramatic change in the lives of the disciples from the moment after Jesus was crucified until Pentecost. They were no longer afraid of what anyone would do to them. They were out there on the streets preaching Jesus fearlessly. What a transformation that comes by the power of the living God inside of us. That gives us the strength to continue to move forward with our lives and not to be overcome by fear. There is a trend right now, folks, and it is a very dangerous trend. And I only bring it up that we would keep it in prayer. You see it all throughout Western Europe right now. And the trend is that there is a push towards far, a very far right political movement that is trying to isolate people and it it thrives on fear. It thrives on fear. You see it in France. You see it in Germany. You see it in the Netherlands. You see it in some of the Scandinavian countries. And it looks like this. You cannot trust those people. We, you, we have to, we have to, uh, we have to pull back and isolate ourselves and only care about ourselves so that we will be safe. This is driven by fear. And if you look in the history of Europe, people that thought that way and preached that and pushed that, you know, back in the 1930s were the fascists and the Nazis. This is a very dangerous trend. And we must not give in to fear. Fear has taken over uh, our society right now. The media feeds on fear. Have you ever noticed that? I get so mad at the media. It doesn't matter which channel you turn to. They, they They love playing on the emotion of fear. And I often get very frustrated because I think, do they really care about these people that they're talking about? I'm not so sure they do. I think they care about the latest news story and how much they can crank it out to make people fearful. And then a week later, you never even hear about those people anymore. They're talking about the next horrible thing that happened, and they are exploiting it to make people afraid. Even the weather forecasters. I was listening to the weather last night and the weather forecaster said, well, the tornado alert has been lifted for this town, but be careful. Things can change quickly. I see some rotational things going on in the air. It could still happen, folks. Stay close to your TV set and be tuned in. I'll let you know if anything's going to develop. I'm like, good grief. Do you mean that we cannot, we have to be locked in our houses, afraid of the weather, afraid of what's going to happen, afraid of what somebody might do to us at the Walmart store? I mean, folks, it is ridiculous. It is absolutely demonic. It is demonic, folks. It is like you're wrapping somebody up in fear 
and you are paralyzing them from being able to be who God has created them to be. It's like a rope. You know, uh, Randy lent me a rope this morning. It's like a rope. You know, you want to come on up here, Jonathan. Can I, can I use you as my, 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 my lesson object? You know, it's like a rope, you know. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Don't be afraid. You hang on to that, you know. It's like this rope, and at first it seems, it seems kind of innocent, you know. You know, you know, well, you know, you really do need to kind of be thinking about these things, you know. And, you know, don't be irresponsible. And, oh, you know, I, I just kind of wonder, you know, am I, am I going to have enough money? You know, am I going to have enough money? This is the message we hear all the time on the television set. Are you going to have enough in your retirement account? <gasps> Maybe not. You should be very afraid. Maybe you need to go and you need to, you may may take another job. You need to work harder. You you might not have enough. I mean, my goodness. (laughs) You know, I mean, and you know what? You need to, you know, you need, you could lose your loved one. You need to be afraid. You know, you need to really make, take better care. You know, you, you need to be, you need to really, you need to really tighten down here. You need, you need to really, really be careful. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And pretty soon, what do you notice about Jonathan? Yeah, he's in bondage. Can you move your arms? No. <laughs> I bet you could if you tried hard enough because I'm not that strong. But thank you, Jonathan. But you see, it, 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 it locks us up. It locks us up. And folks... The fear that we have, you know, just name some common fears, just name some common fears that we all know that we struggle with. We all, we just need to be open and honest, right? There's not a soul in this room that doesn't have a fear. Women, there you go. (laughs) Okay. Name another one. Health issues, fear of health issues, fear of becoming ill or not being able to be what you used to be. What else? Fear of failure. That is a huge one. Fear of failure. And fear of failure can actually tie you up like that to where you don't even want to try anymore. You don't even want to try anymore. Fear of rejection. How many, I mean, that, that's a big one when you are a young person, especially teenagers, fear of rejection. And right now with social media, you can be, people can bully you on the internet, cyberbullying, and reject people to the point that they actually want to take their lives. What's this, or some other fears? Fear of confrontation. Good. Pardon? Fear of dying. Yes. Fear of dying. Yes. What will happen when I die? Fear of losing a loved one. Fear of intimacy. Oh, if I really let someone know who I am, they might not like me. Fear of being all alone. I mean, folks, we could go on and on because there are so many different fears. Fear, um, and so I read an article um, by Bethel Church, and it was just talking about three main fears. Fear of harm, which is a broad category. Fear of not achieving. And fear of not surviving. Fear of harm, fear of not achieving, fear of not surviving. And folks, you know, even with little children like Miles, you know, if Miles were to be afraid, how would he express his, how would he express it as a child? If he was afraid, he would probably cry. Okay. 
Um, I don't know what I was afraid of, but when I was in the first grade and I was seven years old, I went to school every day and took my lunch, my lunchbox, and I'd eat my lunch, and then I'd throw it back up in my lunchbox and took it home every day, every week, every month. Finally, my mother, she had to clean it out every day. She said, Camille, I'm going to tell your teacher. Well, the fear of my teacher knowing about it was stronger than the fear of whatever made me do it. I stopped doing it. Um, I'm well acquainted with fear, folks. Uh, We all are. So let's ask a question. You know, what is fear? Okay. Uh, Fear is, is a very, it's an emotion. And a fear is an emotion that is caused by the belief that something or someone is dangerous. Something or someone is dangerous and it is a threat to us. It's going to harm us. It's an emotion, folks. Um. And you know what's interesting is that God has actually wired our brain in a way that causes us to react towards a threat. You know, if something, if, if you were, you know, driving down the road and you saw a potential accident and you were trying to avoid the accident, what would happen to your body if you were driving down the road and you saw a potential accident? What would you feel? What would happen? You would tense up. What else? Yeah. You, afterward, you might shake or tremble. Uh, you might start sweating. Your heart rate might go up. Guess what, folks? God designed us like that. So in some ways, fear can be helpful. You know, if something bad is going to happen and you're going to react to it, he's actually created our brain um, I saw. I looked at this on the internet last night. You know, if 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 you were if something if fear hits us, there's something in the brain called the amygdala, and it responds to fear. It talks to the adrenal glands above the kidneys, and it sends out adrenaline. Adrenaline causes the heart to pump faster. More blood goes out, and it goes to the large muscles of the body so that you can respond to something. I mean, folks, we're actually wired to respond to threat. It's called the fight or flight uh, center of our brain. But what happens, folks? What happens if what is normal that God has given us, if it becomes a, a lifestyle, a pattern? It's not occasional, but it is 24-7 you're on adrenaline because you're afraid. Well, you know what? If you go and look it up on the internet and you look at brain images of people that live like that, like people with post-traumatic stress disorder, their brain is permanently hyper and hyper vigilant and hyper active and it's exhausting and it's not healthy. So fear can be helpful. It can be harmful. Um, and as I've said, fear has absolutely, has really captivated our culture and society. So what I want to do is I want to look at Psalm 37 because Psalm 37 is actually, it is a psalm that is a teaching psalm. It's not necessarily so much of a worship song. It's a teaching psalm, and David wrote it. And the title of Psalm 37 is, He Will Not Forsake His Saints. We sang about that this morning in worship. And so we're just going to look at this one. We're just going to read the whole psalm. It says, fret not yourself because of evildoers and be not envious of wrongdoers for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. 
What does fret not yourself mean? (laughs) Don't worry. Don't get in a panic, okay? Don't get all um, hyped up about it, okay? Fret not yourself. Don't get so worried about evildoers because the Bible says they're going to fade like the grass. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Um, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger, forsake wrath, fret not yourself. It must be pretty important because it says it keeps repeating itself. Fret not yourself. Um, for evildoers, it only leads to evil. Evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked. He sees that his day is coming. Isn't that comforting? The Lord is actually, he's not up there wringing his hands about the wicked. He's actually laughing at the wicked, knowing that the day of their justice is, the day of judgment is coming. It says, the wicked draws the bow and bends their, draws the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. The arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Do you keep seeing this comparison in this psalm between the righteous and the wicked? The righteous and the wicked. The Lord sees them both and he says, fret not yourself. Fret not yourself. Don't get all upset or in a panic because the wicked will soon be no more. Now, when, when it says we'll soon be no more, that doesn't necessarily mean tomorrow they're going to be gone, right? I mean, it could take years. Um, but their ultimate, their ultimate destiny is going to be judgment unless they repent because the Lord is a God of justice. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. Folks, we will not be put to shame in evil times. We will not be put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish and they like smoke, they vanish away. The wicked borrows but doesn't pay back. The righteous are generous and give. Opposite spirit, folks. Live in the opposite spirit. Um, Those that are blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those who are cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. 
Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong. The Lord upholds his hand. The Lord holds our hand. The Lord will never abandon us. He will never let us go, no matter what is happening in culture and society. No matter what. No matter how evil it gets or how distressing it gets, how much people move away from the Lord, the Lord will never abandon his people. I have been young and I'm old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good so you will dwell forever. The Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell on it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. That's right. The wicked, the evil one comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But the Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. Don't give up. Don't move into fear. Don't become paralyzed by what's going on in culture and society and the news media and all the things we hear. Because the Lord says he will exalt us to inherit the land. It's a given. It's a definite um, it says, David says, I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree. Many times we see the wicked prosper, right? This is why, this is why, um, David wrote this Psalm. We ask ourselves, Lord, how could you let that wicked person prosper like that? But the, the next verse says, but he passed away and behold, he was no more. I, I looked for him, but he couldn't be found. Some of the worst oppression that took place in the Eastern Europe, you know, under the most horrific dictators. Folks, they're in the grave now. Nobody even mentions their name anymore. They're gone. They're done. They're over. Ceausescu, Hocha, Stalin, uh, Mao Zedong, um, uh, Pol Pot, Idi Amin. They're dead. They're in the grave. They're over. Folks, it says, mark the blameless and behold the upright. There is a future for the man of peace. There is a future for the man and woman of peace. Transgressors shall be altogether destroyed, but the future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is our stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He saves them from the wicked and he, because we take refuge in him. Folks, this is our antidote to fear. And I'm telling you as someone, and I, I was really well acquainted, those who know me well, really well know that I am well acquainted with struggles of anxiety and fear in my life. And I have, and I continue to struggle with it. But I can tell you that the only antidote is to get closer to Jesus. The only antidote, the only hope, the only help is to be reading the scriptures, 
focusing on Jesus, worshiping him, letting the truth of who he is come deep into our hearts to set us free from anxiety and fear. And folks, um, you know, I, I just wrote down a couple of things this morning and I was putting this finally, putting it together. You know, when I worked in Albania for five years, I'll never forget it. It, it marked my life. Albania had created a culture of ultimate fear. You, they taught people you can trust no one. And one out of every three adults was a government informant. So you could be, you could be standing in the, in the line at the store buying bread. And if I said to Julie, wow, it's taking, you know, it took three hours today to get my loaf of bread instead of two hours. And Jonathan overheard me and he went and told the police, I would, I would go to jail for probably 10 years. That's the way it was in Albania. It was horrible. Nobody trusted anybody. And you know what happens when you get into a society like that? You hunker down so much that you don't even reach out to anybody anymore. You're so taken with fear. You're so distrustful of everybody that you shut down and you stop engaging with people. And folks, this is the danger of our, in our own culture and society today that we are so afraid of people that we'll stop reaching out to them. We just cannot allow ourselves to go there, folks. Afraid of black people wearing hoodies. Afraid of Muslims wearing the hijab. Afraid of people who are very different from us. People that, that we don't understand them. They're so different from us. But we cannot give in to that kind of fear. Because if we do, we will not reach out and build bridges with black churches at Crosswave Weekend. We will not be able to pass along the peace of Christ, which is what he intends for us to pass on. He wants us to be part of the ministry of reconciliation. We are his ambassadors for reconciliation. We cannot do that if we operate out of fear. We just can't. And um, so, and you know what's interesting? Terrorists want us to be full of fear because guess what? They're full of fear. You know what their fear is? The fear that they will be irrelevant. The fear that no one will pay attention to them. They're operating out of fear by putting fear into everybody else. Now, I want to just quickly read these. There are 158 references to fear not in the Bible. Now, listen to these. You're going to be so encouraged. And listen to all the different people that it came from. God said to Abram, fear not, Abram. I'm your shield. God said to Hagar, fear not. God has heard the voice of your son. Um, Moses said to the people, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not fear them. The Lord goes with you. Listen to this. Boaz said this to Ruth. My daughter, don't fear. I will do for you all that you ask. Isn't that beautiful? My daughter, don't fear. I will do for you all that you ask. David said to Mephibosheth, who was crippled, don't fear. I'm going to show you kindness and take care of you. Elijah said to the widow who had almost no food left, don't be afraid. Don't fear. I will. um, You make me a little cake and I'll make sure that you have enough. Um, Psalm 91, don't fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day. What? uh, Don't be afraid. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Um, 
This is what Jesus said. I love this. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. (laughs) Rather, fear him, God, who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Have fear of the Lord, which is that awe and wonder and reverence for our wonderful God. But don't fear the people that can only kill the body. Um, Paul wrote, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power and love and self-control. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Listen to this. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Listen to what um, John, this is what, when when John saw Jesus in Revelation, it says, when I saw Jesus, the resurrected, ascended Jesus, he said, and all powerful, he said, I fell at his feet like I was dead. But Jesus laid his right hand on him. And what did he say? Fear not. Fear not. The message that Jesus has for us is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And I want to just, you know, finish this morning with just a few practical things. What are some practical things we can do to not come under the spirit of fear? Some practical things. Pardon? Read the word. Call someone to pray with you. Don't be afraid to admit that you're afraid of something or that you have dealing with fear. Turn off the television. (laughs) Uh, And don't be constantly watching all of the news it will suck you in and it will instill fear in your heart focus on the nature and character of god Um, reach out to others do you know that some of the most scared people are people who are isolated and they're all alone don't get all alone folks don't get all alone you know, I remember when I was doing my graduate work up in Chicago, and I mean, literally, I went there. I didn't know a soul, not one person. I was staying with a family that took me in. I'd never met them before. I was just starting my Ph.D. program. I was so scared that I wouldn't be able to do the work, that I would fail, that I, that I, didn't, I didn't know anybody. I felt really isolated, and I was only there for about two months before I started having panic attacks every single day. I would be in the library and I couldn't breathe. I would start sweating and I would think I was going to die. And I was so embarrassed. I thought, I'm a Christian. Uh, How can I have this? I'm I'm a missionary. Missionaries don't get panic attacks, let me tell you. They do. Um, And um, I remember coming home for Christmas break and having a long walk with my dear friend Pat. And she said, Camille, you need to get some help. I said, no, no, no. I'm just going to read my Bible more and I'm going to pray harder. And she said, Camille, you need to get some help. (laughs) And so when I went back to Chicago, I called Focus on the Family and I found a professional counselor to talk to. There's no shame in going to get help, folks. If you are really paralyzed by fear and anxiety, there's no shame in going for help. There's no shame in admitting that you're afraid of something. It actually, when we admit it, it actually breaks the power of it. 
Pat sees people in her office all the time that are struggling with fear and anxiety, PTSD. You know, folks, I'm going to read this quote to you, and then we're going to sing a song. Listen to this quote. I love it. It says, It is not the critic who counts, not the person who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man or woman who is actually in the arena. They're actually in the fight. Whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood. Who strive valiantly. And who at best know the triumph of high achievement. And who at the worst, if he or she fails, at least they failed while daring greatly. You know who said that? Theodore Roosevelt, one of our past presidents. Folks, we are called, we were born, each one of us in this room, whether we're from China or Peru or Colombia or the United States, each one of us was born into this time of world history. It was no accident that Jin Jin was born and lives right now. It's no accident that Erica lives right now or that Jonathan lives right now, or that Greg lives right now. We were born to live in this time of world history. We stand on the shoulders of brothers and sisters who have been faithful to Jesus for thousands of years. They are our great cloud of witnesses. And he is calling us to continue following him no matter what happens. No political party will be your savior. They're both saying, don't trust the other one. It's the same message, folks. Be scared. Be very scared. Be scared. Folks, whatever happens, the Lord will never leave us or forsake us. Pray. Put our trust in him. Commit ourselves to him. Be faithful. Reach out. Love people. Love people. Tell people that you thank people. Build bridges. Don't build walls. It is deadly. So what I don't want to do to finish this, the message is I put a little post-it note on the back of your paper. It's a little yellow post-it note. I want to encourage you, you know, write down something that you feel like is a fear for you. Write down something that is a fear for you that you struggle with. Write it down. And we're going to sing. And then there's a song on the back of your paper. This song is by Chris Tomlin. It says, Whom Shall I Fear? Um, and Randy has uh, got this uploaded for me, so we're going to have it in, like, really good, like, concert mode, you know? So we can, and I want, so first of all, I want you to write down what that fear might be that you're struggling with. My greatest fear, just a couple months ago when I was talking with some people over in YWAM, and we were having a very intense seminar, and, and, um, And I was talking with someone about fear, and he said, Camille, what is your greatest fear? And I thought, I don't know. And I started working on it and looking at some things that I tend to do in my life. I thought my greatest fear is to be left all alone. That's my greatest fear. And as soon as I said it, I was like, "But but Lord, you will never leave me alone. You will never leave me alone. You will never leave me alone. But folks, these feelings are real. We have to deal with them. We cannot run away from them. We cannot pretend we don't have them. We need to identify them and then hand them to Jesus. Hand them to Jesus. So write down, if the Lord has something special for you, write it down. You don't have to share it with anybody. 
And then I want you to, I want us to all to stand together and I want us to sing this song and I want you to hold that thing up. I say, God, I give you this fear. Whom shall I fear? And let's just make it a prayer to the, our wonderful God, our wonderful Savior, our wonderful Holy Spirit, that he is with us. And we are not a people of fear. We are a people of faith. We are a people of faith. Amen?
You are the God of the angels, the armies of angels, and you are with us. You go before us, you stand behind us. Lord, thank you so much. We worship you because you are worthy of it all. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a a committed, loving God who never leaves us or forsakes us. You will always be with us no matter what. We give you thanks, Lord. We give you thanks. And if there's anyone here today and you do not know Jesus, this could be your day. Jesus does not want you to live in fear. Jesus does not want you to live in fear. He wants you to know his love. He wants you to know his security for the rest of your life and into eternity. If you don't know Jesus and you want to know him, speak to someone today and we will pray with you. You don't have to live another day afraid of this loving God. So, Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for being with us today. We thank you for your great faithfulness. Amen.